Welcome everybody back to Top Shelf Talks Hockey Stripes Edition here in the middle of September. I know everybody's out there probably hitting the ice for the first time. I know there's some people out there still getting their registrations for USA Hockey completed. So a lot of busy things going on here. College stuff starting up with scrimmages. We're going to have NHL starting here soon. And uh, things are going to start to heat up for the winter 23-24 hockey season. So on this week, I just wanted to get a couple of things out to everybody. I know it's been a couple of weeks since I've been able to drop a podcast, and I apologize, but between my day job and some other things going on and being out there on the ice, I just haven't had time to sit down and really research any subjects, and I didn't want to put anything out that really doesn't mean anything to anybody. Things I get uh, in the mail is a magazine called Referee. I'm sure some of you guys out there and gals get that magazine, and most of the time in there, it has some good good stuff in there. And this time, it was pretty good. Now, they were focusing, obviously, on football and basketball, more football, because we're right in the middle of the football season. But one of the things that I would say that was um, a good article, how to handle criticism article, and it was several pages long, but it had a 13-step practical approach to handle handling effectively to deal with criticism from players, coaches, and fans good points in here. I'm not going to go through all 13 of them. A couple of that stood out for me were number one was identify your five core sport officiating principles, fitness, attention to detail, consistency, standard of excellence, teamwork. Those are just examples. It was really good to look at that. And, you know, if you're working with an official, you know, struggling in that you can give them some advice on how to uh, improve on some of those core principles out there. Second one was uh, self-evaluation, self-assessment. I know this is probably the hardest one that anybody has out there to do is to look at yourself and maybe it pull live barn if you have live barn at your rink. Uh, I know it's tough to see ourselves skating around out there. Take a minute to try to reflect on those calls. I mean, I, I'll tell you straight up, I had a game a couple of weeks ago. It was a really good game, actually. Uh, good puck play. Ended up being at a tie, a 3-3 tie. But I remember one of the calls I made was really weak this this uh, player had actually checked it was a checking game as it was u14 he had checked this player late but he took the brunt of it but it was still a late hit the other player had already passed the puck down into the zone and i called him for a roughing for the late hit and then when i went back to the to the locker room and actually at the end of the period my partner says um we got to get our calls consistent and i was like what and then i reflected and said you know what I probably should have let that one go because the guy that was trying to deliver the late check took most of it, and it looked kind of weird while I was calling for him, and he's on the one laying on the ice. So, again, it goes back to that self-evaluation and self-assessment, something that we more need, all of us need to do more. The internal and external criticism. So are you criticizing yourself while you're out there officiating, whether it's football or hockey or lacrosse? It doesn't really matter, but – you know, make sure you're not over-criticizing yourself because if you are, then that will really start to affect what other people see as your professional front when you're out there officiating games. Be aware of defensiveness. So if you react re- negatively to criticism, and that, and that could be an interaction with a coach, it could be an interaction with a player, it could be an interaction with anybody in the entire uh, rink or arena, uh, field, wherever you're at, for whatever particular sport you're officiating, 
is that you have to absorb that and then react appropriately. If somebody's just going to scream their head off and really can't understand what they're saying, screaming their, your head off back at them really doesn't do anything. So just kind of make sure that you don't put up this big defensive thing just because somebody disagrees with what you, what you saw and instead kind of absorb it um, and then react accordingly. I mean, if obviously they're out of control, then you'd have to take the appropriate measures uh, to do so. I don't know if I really agree with this one a whole percent. It was number seven is develop a thicker skin. I think that can be taken a couple of ways. One is, you know, if they're chitter chattering or whatever, oh, it's a terrible call. I don't know what you saw, blah, blah, blah. That's okay. But to have any kind of abusiveness, meaning profanity, directing, you know, vulgar things toward you is just not acceptable. Nobody wants to hear it, first of all. But secondly, that just basically puts you in a bad position if you're going to absorb that and not react to it appropriately. So this one's kind of a hard one. I agree with it a little bit, but I don't agree with it to- totally. I think you need to evaluate as long as, you know, the person is questioning whatever you are doing out there. That's one thing. But if they're directing vulgar language, threats, anything like that, you need to definitely react accordingly within the rule book. Things on here is uh, utilize free time productively. I mean, if you do have free time, I like I like doing the podcast, but I also do a lot of research, read a lot on social media, uh, things that are happening within the hockey world. Kind of utilize your free time productively and uh, try to hone your skills and see things. I'll sometimes watch uh, some crazy films that people put on Instagram or whatever and go, man, what in the world happened there? I'm not going to let that happen to me. A couple of other ones. This is a really good one here. Number 10, limit social media. That's a big one. I know everybody wants to just sometimes just, you know, you have that moment. Oh, my God, I got to tell everybody about this terrible thing that happened to me. Or they pull the film from Live Barn. Look at this crashing hit or whatever. And, you know, sometimes that's good. You're educating the group saying, hey, this happened to me today. But at the same time, you know, you could have a fellow official or you could have somebody that you know and and it inadvertently put it out there and it's just damaging like well why didn't they call you know head contact or why didn't they call this and next thing you know it just kind of rattles out of control so just be very careful about social media uh, type stuff a couple other ones uh, develop some healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms i think that's just for everyday life for everybody and then practical mental training skills again i think that's just strong mental skills whether you're an official or not an official this is a really good article. Um, it goes on, like I said, 13 points. Um, there's some also, some other stuff in here about how to deal with um, coaches, deal with fans and some other folks that may be not sending positive vibes your way. But a really good article in the Referee Magazine. I highly recommend if you want to um, invest in that magazine. I think it's about $20 a year. I think you get about 10, episodes, you know, 10 subscription magazines for the year. I just think it's a great way to kind of stay in. Plus they also have some really great resources uh, for the seasons. If you're looking for specific equipment or anything like that, they have really good resources in there, uh, advertisements on different equipment. Well, to kind of pivot from there, I have a Peter that put one out there on one of the uh, pages here and it's about high sticking. He says, you know, those players where the sticks are up, and one inadvertently hits the other player in the head. Do you go straight to and 10 for head contact? There's a pretty clear explanation in situation one under high sticks that tells you exactly what to do, high sticks. And it says there, how much force is necessary to assess a penalty for high sticking when the stick makes contact with the opponent's head or neck? 
If the stick makes contact with the head area, the referee must assess a penalty, rule reference 621A, which is, by the way, high sticking. That's a situation one from high sticking out of the USA Hockey Rulebook. And then it goes on to say, although the high stick has occurred, if contact from the stick was made to the head area of the opponent during the process of delivering a check, the penalty shall be called for head contact rule. High sticking infraction would be called when the stick makes contact to the head area of an opponent when the check is not being delivered. This is typical. I actually called this just a couple of weeks ago. Kid was coming out of the zone. Puck was puck was out of the zone, so the kids are coming out of the zone. I had actually had myself positioned at home base in the low end of what then became the defensive zone because they had already started to go up ice. I kind of just got the corner of my eye, a player going to skate, and he face washes the kids um, in front of his, of course they have a cage on there, his cage with his stick blade. It was just a boom, boom, just happened. Arm goes up. I heard it. I mean, I heard it make contact with the face mask. The kid kind of shook it off like, what in the world? The kid that got hit with the face mask, he kind of shook it off. And I put my arm up, assessed the penalty for high stick. The player that initiated, the, did the high stick, didn't even know he did it. He was coming out of his own, skated hard, picked his stick up. It went wild. Probably lucky it didn't hit me. And then I just happened to see it out of the corner of my eye, called it for high sticking. He was kind of mad. He's like, I didn't high stick you. I said, yes, you did down there when you were, you know, taking it off. And even the kid that he hit said, yeah, you hit me in the face. So it was just kind of, he skated up. Yeah, you hit me in the face, you know, and, you know, they, of course, got a, you know, two-minute penalty. Actually, I think it was a minute and a half penalty because it was a uh, U-12 game. But the idea was he made contact. That's all that matters for a high stick. Now, if you have a player that brings the stick up high for whatever crazy reason, delivers a check, butt of it or the stick itself hits the player's head in any form then you have to do a two and ten for head contact and i think everybody's listening to my podcast i the head contact rule i just it it just to me is kind of weird i mean there's a reason you're hitting the head okay so is it a high stick elbow charging what i mean there's a reason you're hitting the head so let's call the player for what it is if they hit him with the elbow you call the elbow if they hit him with the high the stick you call him for the stick if you you know if you hit him high with a cross check at the cross check. So the head contact rule just kind of covers anything to the head. Doesn't really matter what the action was, penalize him for hitting the head. And in some other rule books in USA Hockey, they actually have to address what they call indirect head contact versus direct head contact. USA Hockey, it's straightforward. Head contact, doesn't matter how it was made. Two and ten or five and a game misconduct. Good question there in the head contact from a David... He's talking about taking his seminar and everything, questioning why he is not seeing more proper face-off procedures being enforced. And in reading this, I'm trying to, he said, pummeling the other center on the draw. So I think it goes back to what I've seen quite a bit, and I have called interference. I saw a lot of players, they will, you know, choke down on it, which is fine, and then they try to sweep the puck and then spin around. They see it happen on the NHL. And they literally just take out the other center because maybe the puck went behind them and the center is trying to get to the puck. Well, they spin around and, and block it. I've seen that happen several times. I usually warn them. I'd say 50% of them, A, understand what I'm saying, and 50% of them probably don't. 
But then I end up giving them an interference call because that's what they're doing. They're interfering with the progress of the other player. When they do that, they spin around and take them out. You can also do a roughing call because usually the puck's not there by the time they do that. Saying that calling cross-checks in front of the net, I've noticed in a two-man, both refs looking at the same thing, question mark, protecting the goal, official freezes, does not cross-checking the attacker on the ice. I don't know where he's following with this, but the bottom line sounds like slot play, front of the crease guys are you know battling for position he's saying he's he's seeing players that are cross-checked and in a two-man I don't know how that's different than a three or a four-man but he's saying in a two-man he's not seeing this called well let's see if we go back to our principles the down low official is supposed to be basically watching the puck for a scoring opportunity and the upper official at the blue line should be looking in front of the slot now There's a good 40, 50 feet between that person and the activity in front of the slot. And then you don't want to squeak down inside the zone because then you may interrupt the play. So it's kind of tough. But, you know, if it's obvious, call it. I mean, that's the area that that a back official, that top official there by the blue line should be looking at is in front of the slot and behind the play. The low official is supposed to be pay attention to puck for a scoring opportunity. So I think he's just kind of calling out that he's seeing a lot of this stuff let go and probably need to tighten things up a little bit. I I always keep an eye out, and it's tough at the top. Two things. One is all that slot play. Make sure there's not a trip, an elbow, cross-check, you know, you name it, high stick, whatever, for these guys trying to battle for position in front of the net. And the second part of that is crease violations. I mean, these these goalies are getting so doggone good, they will just slip-slap back and forth across the crease in the blue paint, and if there's a skate there or whatever, they get interrupted. I've probably blown, and I know in the adult leagues they hate me, but, you know, the goalies like me because they're like, oh, my God, he's paying attention. This guy's right up in my face. You know, kind of keep an eye on that, too. And that falls under interference rule if anybody doesn't know. And then you just, it's real simple. You just take the face off if he has a crease violation outside the zone. There's no penalty assessed unless he actually, like, hits the goalie or does something crazy like that. Those are some things that um, I've seen here on social media. I just wanted to share, and then also in the uh, referee magazine here for this month's edition. Again, I appreciate everybody's support of the channel. I really appreciate everybody's feedback. I'm getting some emails and comments on the podcast. I appreciate everybody for listening to me ramble on every week and talk about all these different things that we come across. And we're out there just trying to make a better game for our young players and even our older players, keeping them safe. So I appreciate everybody's support. And until next time, have a great week, everybody.